advertising your farm's available position is just the first step of the recruitment process. I'm your host, Amber Roberts, and in this special episode of Becoming a Great Farm Supervisor, we'll talk about the objectives of recruiting and how to find a larger quantity of qualified applicants. We'll also discuss how to effectively interview those applicants and how to onboard your new hire. Throughout this discussion, I'll be joined by my colleague, Nathan Halinski. Hi, Nathan. Hello, everyone. I'll just start off by introducing myself here again. So I am Nathan Halinski. I am with the University of Minnesota Extension. I have been with the University of Minnesota Extension for five years now. So we do a lot of educational seminars, just like we're doing today on labor management, financial management, farm transition, egg taxation, um, we land rent. We try to do a lot of various different topics. So hopefully we find this helpful. I'm out of the St. Cloud Regional Office. The University of Minnesota Extension has offices all across the state. So we really try to be statewide in our outreach. We're going to talk about the quantity of applicants. Do you want one to apply? Do we want 10 people to apply? The number of people plays a role. The quality of applicants. Do you have a bunch of random people that never seen a farm before in their life that maybe aren't the best fit? Some of them might be, but the quality is important as well. The more people that you get to apply, the higher chance that you're going to find a superior candidate. This is if you have one person to apply, if they're not great, that's all you have. If you have 20 people to apply, you have 20 people to choose from that could be a good fit. Again, we're not looking for the one candidate we want to hire. That comes later. We want to get a pool of candidates to sort through to pick the one candidate. We want to look everywhere applicants can be found. Often, these applicants are reached indirectly. Like, Maybe you put that uh, ad in the local high school and the high school classmates or the high school student's cousin would be a perfect opportunity and they shared it through that. Or if you send out these flyers with the veterinarian, someone picks it up and says, hey, my best friend is the best candidate for this. So a lot of times it is indirectly. So we don't want to sell ourselves short here. We want to reach out as much as we can. Multiple methods simultaneously. And one other quick tidbit of information, it is a good point to put a date on job application. Sometimes you go to the local co-op or hardware store and they have those flyers up there next to the puppies for sale. You rip off the, the number on the bottom and go call it. If they don't have a date on it, sometimes people are like, well, if that's been here for two months, this job's already filled, I don't care. But if you say, hey, application open starting June 1st or ending July 1st, putting a date on there will help people take it more seriously. And that's the same thing with online postings as well. Quality of applicants. Recruitment is gonna be primarily about the applicant pool size strictly quantity of people. We wanna get as many people to apply as we can. Again, we want to minimize the likelihood of unqualified applicants. We wanna get people who are actually 
able to do the work. So when we're making our job posting, we want to do only the absolute requirements, also the legal, the, the I-9, W-2 type of things, the necessary skills. If these people are going to be driving tractor, we probably want them to maybe have done it once or twice in their life before, or maybe not get someone who's never been on a farm before, or if it's milking cows, we want someone who's comfortable around livestock. I want to get someone who's scared of cows to come milk your cows. That's not going to go over well. So explaining what it is. Again, some of these things I'm just, I'm saying are pretty obvious, but reiterating these points, I think is important. And then experience only when certain of its necessity. So are you fine hiring someone who's never milked a cow before? They'll probably be fine, right? As long as they're comfortable being around livestock. But when it comes to spraying or driving tractor or harvesting with a combine, you want to say that you would prefer they've done that before, or are you willing to train them? You can use these desirable traits. You know, it's desirable if you've run a combine before, but that can still scare away applicants. You know, maybe people, they see that and they think it's a requirement, that desirable trait, even though maybe it's not required, but it's still, they're hesitant to apply. So keep that in mind when you use the term desirable. Spillover effect. You remember watching TV. I'm sure everyone's watched a little bit. Let's talk about the Super Bowl. A lot of ads, right? A lot of big ads. And part of the ad is advertising the company and saying why we're a good company, why you should buy our product, and why you should come work for us. I think a lot of car uh, companies do this. Like, let's just take Ford, for example. We always have employees, they have their employee family discount things, and they say, hey, come work for our family. Advertising through or recruitment through their advertising. Recruitment, it's a key way for you to market that you are a preferred employer. Why you should come work for us, we're a good company. Enhances the image of your business. Recruitment, it is advertising. Promoting your farm and every recruitment needs to be consistent. Repetition is critical. Why is your farm the farm that they should work for? I want to highlight the interview process is a two-way street. You're advertising why they should work for you, and they're advertising why you want them to work for you. You have to sell the farm as a good place to work when you're doing the interview as well. Again, promote the attributes of the current open position. This is going to differ for every position, but why is this a role that they should come fill? Let's take a moment here. Can you talk to us about how to conduct an effective interview? We'll talk about the interview process here for a few minutes. The keys to a legal and effective interview. I have a list of questions that are illegal and legal to ask. The general guideline here is to only ask about those things that are unquestionably related to the job and the applicant's ability to do it. So then we have this kind of list of the, the timeline here. We're going to review the resumes from the candidates. We're going to do the interviews, check the references, and then select one and hire them. The interview. It's a formal process. A lot of times on these farm interviews, it's really informal. You just kind of walk around. We do want to make this a little bit more formal. 
make both sides feel at ease. We don't want this to be stressful. Be careful, but not paranoid about some of these illegal questions. Consider this rule of three. The candidate is interviewed by at least three different people in three different settings. Maybe you start off in the farm office with, with you as the boss. Then you have them talk with another milker, for a dairy example, in the parlor. And then you have them talk with a calf feeder in the young stock section. Three different people, three different settings to get multiple viewpoints of this individual. The interview goes both ways. As a farmer, as a boss, as an employer, you're advertising why your business is where they should be working. But you're, they're selling themselves about why you should hire them. So if you don't sell the farm properly, they might not want to work there after the interview. So keep that in mind. Utilize the same format with each question. Welcome introductions. Describe what's going to happen during the interview. You're going to be doing the, the formal interview with questions. Use the same set of questions for each empl potential employee. With each, each candidate needs to get the same set of questions. That limits the bias, and you can get a more accurate comparison between them. Doing the farm tour, wrap-up questions, any last-minute questions that come along with that. Ask every candidate the same prepared questions. Develop around competencies, what that job requires that individual to do. Ask open-ended questions and listen. We'll go through examples in the next couple minutes. Ask behavioral questions. Specific examples, how previously handled situations likely to occur. So in the milk herd, maybe cows don't always behave. What would that candidate do in that situation? do recommend using the same set of questions. Only, the only question then is, what about some of these follow-up questions? Maybe the individual says, I worked on my uncle's dairy farm. You want to ask a little bit more detail here about what happens in that, right? You can pursue some of those issues when they bring that up. But we just want to be cautious that if some candidate brings up some of these alternative questions, alternative answers, that can allow bias to enter if another candidate doesn't have that same opportunity to speak. Be cognizant of that when you're asking these questions. Use open-ended questions. So the example, do you have experience working with farmers? That's a yes, no answer. Yes, I do. That doesn't get you very much information. We recommend asking, describe your farm experience. That opens that up. And then they may be more willing to share. They say, I grew up in the country and my uncle had a farm and I'd go there on a regular basis. So you can explain what happened there. The next example, do you have any concerns about the responsibilities in this position? Again, that's a yes or no question. But the open-ended question, which we recommend is, please share your concerns about the responsibilities in this position. The answer might be no, that they don't have any, but they might be more willing to share here and say, I am concerned about the weekend hours, or I'm concerned about driving traffic. Whatever the case is, open-ended questions are better. What would you do if? We would rather have you say, tell me about the last time this happened. 
Let's just say the cows got out. What would you do if the cows got out? All right, you get them back in. But tell me about the last time this happens. Give them a chance to explain what they've done in the past, uh, right or wrong. But another example, what would you do if you were going to be late for work? Another way to phrase that, what did you do the last time you knew you were going to be late for work? So giving this, these behavioral questions, wording them in, in a different fashion is beneficial as well. Describe how you felt the last time a coworker habitually did poor work. What did you do? Check references. This reference checking, a lot of times you ask, who can we call to ask for your, your job references, right? It's a very common practice. So there are a few legal issues. You just want to be careful with this. For this instance, you do want to use these closed-ended questions, direct questions. Would you rehire this individual? Yes or no? Would the previous employer, if given the chance, want to work with the same individual again or not, right? That can tell you a lot. Hiring, hiring the select candidate. You might want to do some drug testing, a background checking, if appropriate. These aren't always required. Extending the offer, right? Saying, hey, we select you, candidate Bob. Review the conditions of employment, the probationary period, if appropriate. Review and sign the employee handbook. Complete the paperwork. We have I 9 forms, W 4 forms with job status in working. Excellent interview questions are crucial. This is just kind of a wrap up here. The structured selection process reduces the farm's chances of a mishire. Mishires can be costly. Then you have to go through the whole employment, the whole hiring process again to find the next best candidate because it's probably not going to happen in a week time frame and you can call the next person on your list probably going to be a few months down the road and you're going to have to go through the whole hiring process again. So the mishires can be costly. We do want to highlight here some onboarding. This is going to be more than just orientation. Once you get the candidate hired and started, training them in. That's what you mean by onboarding. This can take up to a year. I know that sounds kind of long, but it's not like it's going to be the same onboarding, the same training for a year. But that person, we just want to work with them a little bit more than with the candidate or with the employee who's been there for 10 years already. We want to show them the employee handbook. We want to have them work with another employee. We want to work with them until they're comfortable doing the role by themselves or comfortable doing the roles that they can. Thanks, Nathan. Throughout this podcast, we've talked about the three objectives of recruiting, how to find your desired quantity of applicants and also our quality. Nathan discussed spillover effects and went into detail about the interview process. Remember, while recruiting can be a long and tedious process, finding the right hire is worth it.